I'll be reading God's word from the uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. I'm uh, glad you're here this morning, and it uh, kind of feels like church planting days all over again with a smaller number here this morning, And uh, but so good to be together for on Christmas Day. I have four questions, brief questions, that I would like to ask you on Christmas morning. The first is, what do you do if somebody... What do you do if you love someone and the person you love doesn't even know you exist? What do you do if you love someone and the person you love doesn't even know you exist? That's a question asked by uh, a favorite author of mine, Stephen Brown. And his response is this. Of course, you can try to get that person to notice you. And this is his personal story. He said, I can remember the first time I was in love. I had no idea in the world how to meet this special girl until I saw her in a drugstore standing near the soda fountain. That's a little dated. I decided it was my one chance, so I bought two milkshakes and took one to her. But she didn't want a milkshake. Furthermore, she thought I was an arrogant stranger trying to bring her one without asking. She turned and walked away, leaving me standing there with two milkshakes in my hand. I decided I didn't want a milkshake either. You must be careful when you want to love someone who doesn't even know that you exist. I try not to make it a habit of uh, being a matchmaker, but I have had uh, two occasions in my life where I've been a part of introducing a guy to a gal or a gal to a guy, and both situations resulted in marriage. The Old Testament is a collage of interesting biblical people who seem to all have one primary purpose, 
to introduce us to God, to help us become familiar with his love. And God has been giving us a message that he loves us right from the very beginning of time, through Abraham, through Moses, through the prophets, through the psalmist. They all have been helping us to get to know God. It's an old movie plot, and it's been used over and over again. The woman is either a minor actress in a play or a dancer in a musical. She has a secret admirer in the audience every night. And night after night, she receives a dozen roses with no names attached. Just a card that reads, from a secret admirer. And night after night, she gets this gift. And she begins to wonder who he could be. And she dreams of what he would actually look like. And she thinks of him often. And then, finally, he asks her to dinner. And they fall in love. And uh, they spend the rest of their lives together. Well, that's really what God has done. We didn't know him. But he loved us. And he knew us. And he sent roses. And sometimes the roses were the prophets. Sometimes the roses were the psalmist. Sometimes the roses were our family and our friends. And sometimes he just whispered his love in the trees and in the beautiful mountains. And then at Christmas, God signed the card. He came to us, Emmanuel. God is with us. What do you do if you love someone and the person you love doesn't even know you exist? Well, God found a way to introduce himself, a way that would cause us to say, so, ah, this is God. This is who he is. And what a way he chose the manger in Bethlehem for his son to be born. Question number two is, what do you do if you love someone and the person you love doesn't love you back? Some years ago, we tried to be a safe haven for a woman who could not receive the love of another man. The man did not treat her well. And when she retreated from his love, strange thing is he pursued her even more to the point where uh, he became a danger to her. And she rejected his love and she came to our house for refuge. And the more she spurned his love, the more aggressive he became. And the more she turned away, and the more he wouldn't leave her alone, and the situation became very intense. Sometimes we put pressure on a person who doesn't love us back the way we want them to. And so we make them feel guilty. We tell them, how could you treat me this way after all I've done for you? But one writer has said that God is wise in the ways of love. He knows that if you want to get someone to love you back, you have to learn to be gentle. You catch a loved one the same way you catch a mountain trout. You do it carefully and gently. And that's what God did at Christmas. He knew that love takes a while. He knew us. And so he whispered. That's why he came as a baby instead of a king. I mean, who would ever be afraid of a baby? 
He came to us in humble fashion. He came to us and he seemed very approachable. Of course, Jesus would talk with us. He's Jesus. Someone has described Jesus as the perfect gentleman. I didn't say he was weak. But gentle. But gentle. He rarely knocks your door down. But if you listen closely with your heart, you will hear the gentle knocking of the Savior as he desires to enter in and live in your life. What do you do if you love someone and the one you love doesn't love you back? God was gentle. God was humble, coming to us as a baby born in Bethlehem. Question number three. What do you do if you love someone and the person you love is not worthy of your love? A young man said that he had given up dating. Someone asked him if he were shy, and he said, no, that wasn't his problem. He said, the problem is that I can't find a woman who will please my mother. In other words, his mother had decided that no woman was good enough for her son. And God could have said, I can't find anybody on this earth that's good enough for my son. There's no need to send my son because everyone is unworthy of him. And, of course, God would have been right. No one was worthy of his son. But, in fact, it was because we were unworthy that Jesus Christ came. In our heart of hearts, few of us believe that we're very important to God. It takes a a long time of walking with God before we begin to recognize the fact that we matter to God. We know who we are. We know what we are. Uh, In our minds, only great good people like Mother Teresa really matter to God. J.B. Phillips wrote the book New Testament Christianity in which he tells a very captivating story. It was an imaginary story, and it goes like this. In his story, a senior angel is showing a very young angel around the universe, and they view whirling galaxies and blazing suns, and then they flit across the infinite distance of space until they enter one particular galaxy of 500 billion stars. And as the two of them drew near to the star which we call our sun and its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning slowly on its axis. It looked as dirty and dull as a tennis ball to the little angel, whose mind was filled with the size and glory of the universe that he had just seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about that one? To the little angel, earth did not seem very impressive. He listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him that this planet, small and insignificant and not overly clear, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me, he said, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. And he went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was beyond his comprehension. 
I've told you the story before of the teenager who bought his girlfriend an orchid. It was the first orchid that he had ever bought and, a, and the first one that she'd ever received. There was a little card with the orchid and it read, With all of my love and most of my allowance, I love you this much. And that's what God was saying to us when he came to this earth. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us. God was saying he loved us with everything he had, even when we didn't deserve it. So I say today as a reminder, don't stop loving the one that you don't feel is worthy of your love. Because God didn't. And the final question is this. What do you do if you love someone, if someone you love is slow in responding to that love that you have for them? Well, sometimes you have to wait patiently for people to see the light. You can't force them to love you, and you can't even force them to speed up the process. Love always has to be a choice. When God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ, we were given a choice. You can choose to love God, or you can choose to pretend that he doesn't even exist. It's kind of like God threw the ball into our court, and he said, you catch it. I've thrown it. Now you have to catch it. You have to make a choice. You have to make a decision what you're going to do with my love. But here it is. I won't force my love upon you. Neither will I make it difficult for you to come to me. And you don't have to come all cleaned up inside. You can come warts and all, but you must come. If you're thirsty, Jesus says, I'll give you the living water. But you must drink. If you're hungry, I'll give you the bread of life because I love you. But you, you must eat. If you're sinful and dirty, I will forgive you and clean you up because I love you. But you must come. Christmas morning. I'm glad if you've made that choice in your heart that he is uh, more precious to you than anyone or anything else. And if you're still in the process of making that choice, I hope this Christmas would be the best Christmas ever when you make the choice that changes your life and changes your eternity.